I want to do the same if not more for young people especially my young girls back in Ghana we raised about I think just over a thousand pounds which we managed to support about 400 girls to schools and leaving the girls feeling empowered and you know one of the young girls wrote a letter after the session and handed it to us you know she quickly wrote a letter and she, in the letter she said thank you so much for making me feel as though I am capable of changing the world I had some pretty amazing experiences that I've still like I still think about to this day um, and for example Khadija, how are you today? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, man. Thank you for coming to the podcast. No worries at all. Yeah, very, very happy to get you on the podcast. You know, I can't remember exactly how I came across your profile. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know, maybe I was looking at LinkedIn or yeah. Instagram or something like that. But yeah. when I come across you, it's all the work you're doing. I was like, yeah, <laughs> got to get my garnishes on the podcast. <laughs> for sure, man. So, thank I think. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime, man, anytime. Thank you for coming on. So, to kick things off, I'm going to ask you a bit of a different question. If someone asked you, describe yourself without saying what you do, how do you describe yourself? Who is Khadija? I would say that Khadija is um, what I like to describe, introverted, extroverted person. Um, she is somebody that loves God, loves the expression of gratitude she is also a loving daughter and sister although her brothers would probably say otherwise <laughs> um but she's definitely somebody that is very hardworking, motivated and focused great let's take it all the way back mm -hmm. can you paint a picture as to what your childhood looked like and um yeah, let's just set a bit of context what was your childhood like where did you grow up and yeah. what was the environment like yeah so i grew up I'm a London girl through and through, born and raised in London. And um, I grew up, well, I was born in Tottenham, um, Broadwater Farm Estate. Some people might know, it's like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, but very soon after I was born, we moved away and I've, most of my life has been in Finsbury Park. But I grew up in a single parent household and that has definitely shaped, I guess, molded me into the kind of woman that I am today, knowing that I grew up in a household where my mum was literally is still my everything in regards to her hard being so hardworking she having to obviously play the role of mom and dad in a household where she has three kids one of whom has sickle cell anemia and so just seeing how she went through every day just to make sure that we were okay is definitely something that has molded me into the kind of person i am today amazing and you grew up in broad broadwater farm well from what i remember mm. we weren't even there for up to a year but then north london is home yeah i was yeah. gonna say i could have swear i saw, saw you in one of those rfb videos <laughs> 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 just in the background trying to blend in <laughs> <laughs> i mean i wouldn't be surprised because sometimes my mum is like she knows probably some of the you know other aunties that are still there and it's like oh god yeah. <laughs> but yeah yeah and you spoke about how one of your siblings had sickle cell mm -hmm. anemia which um with you in the line of work you're doing right mm -hmm. now in the um, in the world of medicine, did that play a, a part in you going down the path you're in now? Yeah, definitely. I think it's one of the major reasons, um, you know, just us growing up and with the nature of sickle cell disease. And for those who are listening or watching who don't know what sickle cell disease is, it's a hereditary blood disorder. So you're born with it. And basically, normally, our red blood cells are round donut shaped. Whereas with sickle cell patients, they're in the shape of a moon, crescent-like. And what that means is sickle cell patients are more prone to having 
they're more prone to having blood clots, but also their blood getting clogged in their different joints, perhaps in their brain, also in their heart, which can lead to strokes, painful crises, and just generally it's not an easy condition to live with. So growing up, we were in and out of hospital quite a lot and just seeing from the perspective of an eldest daughter having a younger brother go through that and having the healthcare professionals in the country, I guess, show their love and support in regards to helping him feel better, but also us as a family, I thought this is something that I definitely want to do for other people out there. So, yeah. what, what did it do to you, seeing your brother in, I'm, I'm assuming because I've heard um, different people with sickle mm-hmm. cell experience different symptoms. Mm-hmm. Some people get very painful symptoms. Mm-hmm. Some people get end up with lifelong illnesses or illnesses elements that affect them throughout the rest of their lives i'm not too sure how it's affected your brother specifically but what was it like seeing your brother go Mm -hmm. through everything he's going through in and out hospital with sickle cell definitely i think for anybody it is a tough experience but also coming from a household where as i mentioned it's just my mom and us i'm also the eldest daughter and we always i mean i feel like it's not spoken enough but eldest daughter syndrome is very real automatically you're the second mother of the household so in a way it's like seeing your little brother but also kind of lucky your little baby so seeing him go through that and you mentioned like the painful crises the pain is excruciating um and so when you're seeing them in that pain or for example one of the complications is having a stroke which I've seen firsthand, how it can literally affect one side of your body, go weak, you can't move, and sometimes it can even affect your speech. So when you see that, it's honestly heartbreaking, but with treatment and with the support of some amazing medical staff, he's had um, he's been able to recover from their situations, but that's not the story for everybody. And it's important to note that with sickle cell anemia, you will have an individual that has crises like every so often, But then you also have individuals that are pretty much okay and don't really experience crises. It's a spectrum. Right. And then was it from, like, did you always know you wanted to go into medicine Mm -hmm. or um, did that come on a bit later on? For me, I've always known. Um, I think I went through primary school, of course, secondary school, knowing that, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be a doctor. That's something that I really wanted to be, to do. And some people ask me like, oh, were you precious? And, you know, coming from an African household, they think, oh, you must be a doctor, a lawyer, all of that stuff. But there was no pressure whatsoever at all for me. Cool. Yeah. All right. And then what was your school experience like for you? You know what? When I think back to primary school, I was completely the opposite. Very shy, um, just keeping to myself. But then secondary school, things changed for me. I always say that secondary school is where I really came out of my shell. And that is in the case of me building that confidence But I also, I guess, stepped into that role of always wanting to speak up and help others. So secondary school was an amazing experience where I started to build the foundations of who I am today. And how did that come about? How did that you coming out of your show Mm -hmm. secondary school? um, Was it like just a natural progression or did you go through some experiences that you felt led you to become Mm -hmm. the person you were? I would say it's actually a mixture of both. Natural progression, but also I had some pretty amazing experiences that I've still, like, I still think about till this day. Um, And, for example, secondary school was where I built my somewhat relationship with Michelle Obama. And having those interactions with her whilst I was at secondary school 
definitely I guess propelled the confidence and the motivation to want to do more for other people to be more in my leadership capacity but emphasis on serving others okay Mm -hmm. let's talk Michelle Obama Mm -hmm. I was on your YouTube channel and I watched that interview done with her Mm. and you mentioned that you've met her a few times yeah in 2009 when you were part of her choir in (laughs) 2012 uh you've flown over you and some people from your school flown Mm -hmm. over to the White House and then obviously in that interview yeah um what how was that experience, like you meeting her, especially those, maybe those two first mm-hmm. times in 2009 and 2012. Yeah. What was that experience like and how impactful was it for you? Yeah. I always find it very hard to put into words, but also it doesn't help that, okay, in 2009, I was what? Was I 10 years old? 10, 11 years old. Then in 2012, I was when we went to the White House, probably 14, 15. So I was still very young at that age and having those interactions or opportunities with her, I don't think I fully understood or comprehended those moments um, as much as I would have now if they were to happen again. And for me, I think, as I mentioned, it's definitely one of those experiences that catapulted you know the confidence and the need for me to serve others and just having the mindset that okay yes you might be a woman yes you're also black but that shouldn't you shouldn't have that mindset of letting that stop you from doing what you truly want to do um especially in relation to serving your community and you know some key messages that she highlighted and one especially is about failure we always talk about failure but for her what she really emphasized was it's okay to fail And I think people need to get comfortable with failing and just see it as an opportunity to learn and to progress and do better the next time around. Definitely. I'm a massive believer in that. There's this amazing book I've read called Mm. Failing Forward. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard about it um, by an author called John C. Maxwell. Yeah. And he talks about that as well, um, how important it is to fail. Yeah. And most people do fail. Just people don't necessarily highlight those on social media. Mm -hmm. So you don't see it. But it's important um, to fail and then to fail forward, learn from your failures and then use that to catapult forward. So exactly. Massive believer in that. Uh, when you meant, when in 2012, yeah. Um, what was the, I mean, what what was the, the pretext behind you guys, you and the school going there? Mm-hmm. So, I remember our teachers like announcing, okay, well, there's this amazing opportunity. Michelle Obama wants about 10 girls, I think five from year nine, five from year 10 to come along and, um, just experience DC, experience the White House, meet her. And how they would make that selection was we had to like fill in this form and answer a few questions. I can't remember the form completely, but one of the key questions was who inspires you the most? And I think I probably wrote about my mum. And then I think one day in class, I feel like I was in biology class. Um, One of the head teachers came into the class and asked like oh can I speak to Khadija outside so then she dropped the news that oh like you're selected as one of the girls I was like oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it was truly an amazing amazing experience five days um in DC we got a little tour around the area we also went to I think the Capitol building and another really important building where we got to meet so many amazing inspirational women. Um, and then we went to the White House a few times, had a tour. Then we had like a sit down session with Michelle and um, our school group. And then on the last day, 
So that particular time we went was when our prime minister at the time, David Cameron, and his wife went to the US. And usually when they do those kind of visits, they do like a whole ceremony and stuff. So we went to the ceremony and then that's the ceremony where we also got to meet Barack Obama as well, um, shake his hand, say hi. So yeah, it was amazing experience. Oh, that sounds sick. And you know, as you're talking, yeah. it's, it's even got me thinking. Because I'm a massive believer that mm-hmm. the people we are, I mean, who we are now mm-hmm. uh, is just a sum total of our experiences that we've mm-hmm. been through before. Yep. And you're talking about your trip to DC and then yeah. how that's impacted you today. And then I can parallel, because I went on a trip, not necessarily internationally, but mm-hmm. I was here in the UK. Yeah. went out to Norfolk and it was a social entrepreneur's retreat. Mm-hmm. And that was so sick. Uh, and I thought that, that had a massive impact on yeah. me. And it's even got me thinking that like, maybe we should be doing more Definitely. of that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like just... Like, the experiences, you know, really opens the eyes of people. Definitely. Um, especially people from marginalised communities. If 100%. we're talking Black Britons now, we should probably be investing more. Yeah, and I think experiences. with any of these experiences, the earlier we, I guess, open our kids' eyes to seeing them, the better. I think as a young child, when you do experience these moments or, I guess, trips... Yes, you might not fully understand in the moment, but it will leave a long-lasting impression on how you then navigate the world from then on. Yeah, definitely. It will seep into your subconscious. It's, it's there, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's imprinted in you. Um, you spoke about your... you When you... Before you went, you had to write, like, a piece and you wrote mm-hmm. about your mum. Can you talk about how important your mum's been... And you could come from a single-parent household mm-hmm. as well. How important she's been in you, in your upbringing, in the yeah. person you are today as well. Definitely. So... She always loves it when I talk about her, <laughs> which is why I sometimes try to minimize it because I don't want to get her gassed. But anyways, um, just similar to what I mentioned before. So just growing up, she when I say hard work, I automatically equate to her. She embodies it. She is hard work. And that is the case still to this day, working several jobs in a day, making making sure that she's there for her three kids, as well as I mean, when you come from our communities, family is not just the family in your household you have you might have external family here but there's also family back home <laughs> mm. um that are somewhat relying on you so her being able to manage um all i guess our village um in regards to the people within our um family is truly phenomenal and she is somebody that doesn't stop and it definitely motivates me to i guess also work hard because in moments where I feel like, oh, can I really do this? Or where I'm really doubting myself, I automatically think of her. She's still growing through it all, um, no matter what life throws at her. So definitely it's something that keeps me very focused and disciplined um, when it comes to doing some of the work that I do. And um, yeah, she's just amazing. But in that with that being said it also motivates me to want to keep working hard so i make sure that she can she can rest she needs to rest yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah definitely and i can definitely see the hard work in you in you yourself actually Thank just you. looking at your profile even like mm. you're working in medicine with that's in of itself is, is <laughs> mad mad thing, like, my mum works in medicine mm-hmm. she's um, she was uh oh, she's done a few things now she's a midwife no she works in public health in like um community centers mm-hmm. now. but she was a midwife before that yeah. she's still a trained midwife actually um, oh. and she was a nurse before that yeah. and I see <laughs> and my mother-in-law is a nurse actually yeah. so I, I see what it's like man, when you're on those wards like they're, they're tough Crazy. They're, they're, they're tough especially nowadays 
Oh yeah, especially now, mm. like underfunding and then <laughs> everybody's uh, striking left, right, center. Sorry, but man, like it's nuts, man. Uh, but you do that, and on top of that, you've got a couple other things mm-hmm. you're working on as well, which we're going to get into. Um, but I can definitely see how that hard work is somewhat, I guess, in a subliminal, subliminal, in like a yeah, subconscious sense, yeah. it's kind of like seeped into you, and you've taken definitely. that work ethic into your own life as well, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. With um, so after you've done the. So you've gone to, you've done school, you've done whatever, et cetera. And then after you've done university mm-hmm. and you've, you've trained and you've done, gone into medicine, you've trained and gone into medicine, that kind of thing. How did the, first of the melanin, med, can you explain what melanin medics is? Yeah. And how that, that came about? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So melanin medics is a nonprofit organization based in the UK and essentially we are the UK's largest intergenerational charity for African and Caribbean medical students and doctors in the UK and what we do is through all the services that we provide all the work that we do we aim to diversify medicine widen aspirations and aid career progression of anybody that has a desire to study medicine is studying medicine and is working in medicine so yeah how did that come about? So Melanin Medics came about, and, we turned five years. And what's your role with Melanin Medics yeah, as well? So we turned five years last year, but um, how do we come about? So one of my good friends, Alamade, who's also currently a doctor as well, she started a blog um, in relation to how she, when she got into medical school, literally nobody around her looked like her. So she started this as a blog and then eventually... There are about five five of us in total at the time where we came together and sat down and thought, okay, well, we definitely need to do more than just simply write a blog saying what's going on. We can literally make an impact and change, essentially change the face of medicine. So that was about five years ago. Um, Five of us became founding members and yeah, we are here today, I guess. That's sick. At what stage after at what stage did you realize or say to yourself that you want to do so you're doing the medicine mm-hmm. obviously and studying and becoming a doctor mm-hmm. but at what stage did you say to yourself that you wanted to do more than just that like yeah melanin medics obviously is one aspect of it yeah but when did that come did you always know you wanted to do more on top or did that come to you through some kind of experience i think naturally definitely from secondary school i've always been somebody that is I feel like I've, I'm destined or it's my God-given purpose to always do more and give back. So through secondary school, seeing myself in different roles, like being a year mentor, looking after the younger years, serving on different boards in secondary school. But then there was a point transitioning into A-levels and early years of medical school where I really took a step back from wanting to do and be more. I think those few years it would probably be about four years i thought to myself okay well at that time i really thought looking at where i've grown up and the kind of school that i'm going to am i really actually going to achieve this dream of becoming a doctor knowing that okay most people are white rich either your mum or your dad's a doctor if not both and you have easy access to work experience opportunities they have money to pay for all these different courses and medicine is really, really competitive to get into in the UK. So I thought, well, I need to get away. And I was encouraged to apply to a private sixth form, 
but obviously I was thinking money where hey <laughs> <laughs> and those six private six forms are actually more expensive than university wow and it's not like you can take out student finance to go to six form mm. so um I was like they were like oh there's a scholarship you can apply it was 50% I still applied anyway I got it and um we were still like yeah no we can't afford it and these times the fees at that time was around 7k a term Whoa. yeah <laughs> so they phoned my mom to say yeah she's got 50 percent. she was like thank you but we still can't afford it and they were like okay a week later they called to be like we really want her here we'll give her 100 percent. i was like oh my gosh so for the following two years after secondary school doing my gcse's i was at a private sixth form in central london literally completely different you go from 30 students making noise annoying the teacher in one class mm. to like seven or eight where you have proper focus attention when it's the holidays you have like easter revision classes all these in um exam practice resources and then for those who want to study medicine you have like literal master classes of how to do these exams interview practice and that is what really got me thinking well not a lot of students who are black or from disadvantaged lower socioeconomic homes know first of all to even apply or give themselves a chance to go to a um, private sixth form and yet they also fully deserve that opportunity and sometimes it's also about a confidence thing you just feel as though you don't belong and that really sort of I guess planted the seed of okay well there's something that needs to be done for people who are like me that are unable to access these opportunities hence um, melanin medics coming along two years down the line so that is definitely what got me into you know knowing that I am definitely more than medicine and there's saying that there's this saying that I always say like medicine is within me but it is not all of me I love medicine I love being a doctor but there's just more that I also love doing and more that I am called to do for sure and with the, the secondary school no the yeah the sixth form mm-hmm. you're private sixth form guessing as well you're probably exposed to a hell of a lot more things like mm-hmm. more sort of subjects that you probably wouldn't have gotten access to mm-hmm. maybe in you know normal public schools maybe more trips different types of people mm-hmm. different cultures you're just exposed to yeah a lot more than you would have been exposed to definitely um, in public school one of my friends always teases me about this because sometimes with a level biology you are supposed to do like a little mini research project and for us they took us all the way to do all the way to portugal to do <laughs> a research project and she's like what do you mean like we just went down the road <laughs> i'm like oh my god um but yeah it definitely opens your eyes to a lot just even being around the other students who you know have definitely you weren't born on broadwater farm estate um but it's it's very eye-opening but i went to it was an amazing sixth form and the teachers were amazing so yeah great when did the public speaking start for you oh i really can't put a finger on it but again everything goes back to secondary school um yeah secondary school so were you one of those people that always volunteered to present on whatever project you're working on yes and no i am somebody that yes i'll volunteer yes i will take up the opportunity but i'm also somebody that loves to also let other people take an open opportunity as well so yeah it's a, it's a balance <laughs> perfect and then you got the i watched your ted talk as well oh yes how, how did that come about 
Um, how's that coming? And about? congrats. By the Thank way. you. <laughs> Thank you. So sometimes I even forget about that. Um, so actually, 2021. TEDx NHS must have put out a tweet saying they're looking for speakers and I think somebody that I knew within their healthcare space I think he's he's a doctor as well he must have tagged me in response to that tweet I was thinking oh my gosh like what is this um fast forward to last year around April May time they reached out to be like well, would you be interested in speaking? Why not have a chat with one of the coaches? So I had a phone conversation with one of the coaches and she was basically just asking like, tell, tell us a bit about yourself, what you do. Um, I guess more so on the kind of work that you do. We had a general conversation and she was like, okay, well, if you were to do a TED talk, what kind of, what would you mainly be speaking about? And at that time, Obviously, the idea wasn't... I didn't really think I would do a TED Talk. So having an idea of what I would even speak about, it wasn't really there. But I knew it's definitely going to be something EDI, representation-related in medicine, of course, in relation to melanin medics. So we had that conversation. She really liked the topic and thought, this is something that people need to hear. So she was like, okay, write this stuff down, get it back to us, and we'll see so then they got back to me confirmed that okay well you're gonna be one of our speakers i was like oh my gosh (laughs) i'm happy but now the pressure is getting worse (laughs) (laughs) so um with tedx nhs you get given some ted coaches i wrote my first draft it was rubbish they looked at me they were like khadija this is not a ted talk i said wow (laughs) 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 you guys hurt my ego (laughs) i speak um you know i do public speaking then you're telling me there's not a talk but okay so then they literally i had i would call it an intervention where they literally went deep trying to get emotion out and naturally i'm somebody that doesn't really speak about my emotions that much so they were really getting to the why and the why and then when i was answering their questions they were like this is what people want to hear i was like okay fine so i went back did a second draft read it out to them they started crying i was like wow <laughs> um so this is what you want you want people to cry <laughs> um but yeah it was that was done and then it was just like i think i about had a month to memorize rehearse and then did it in end of august but that was i would say a three to four month process but what made it also hard was yes i'm still working full-time as a doctor i had a lot of like work travel so i had to go to america to give a talk then i went to ghana to do my charity work and balancing that plus also trying to write a TED talk it was crazy but we made it thank god how, how do you balance everything you work on <laughs> <laughs> this is like my number one question that i always get asked the truth is and what i always say i was telling this to one of my um mentees earlier on the drive here actually um there is no perfect balance and I feel like we waste our time trying to create a balance that will work for us every day of our lives. But truth be told, life is hard. Life is different. Every day is different. And the, the balance that you strike today will be different from the balance that you strike the next day or yesterday. So for me, the key is prioritization. If I know that there's something that is upcoming, there's a deadline very soon, 
I will try my best to try and complete that task. But also, you, I always say don't get bogged down on doing everything that's on your urgent list because that's when you neglect doing the things that bring you joy, make you happy, feel like as though you are working on, on your purpose. So it's about having a mixture of those two and taking care of yourself at the same time. For sure. I didn't even know you had mentees as well, actually. So that's like, <laughs> wow, a lot of a lot of juggling. Unofficial, <laughs> let's say, unofficial. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the Like Her project now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you spoke about your charity work that you're doing. So I'm assuming you're referring to the Like Her project. Um, uh, yes. Wait, in relation to what part? You said that um, you're trying to juggle everything and you're doing your charity work. And yeah, the yeah, and yeah, yeah. In the middle of the whole TED's uh, experience. Yes. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. So you... Actually, what I want to touch on here, so like her project, for me anyway, mm-hmm. when I looked into it, first of all, that's like so sick. So hats off. Thank you. Hats off. I watched um, a couple of the videos mm-hmm. on the website. I saw you and you got a team as well. Yeah. And you guys out there doing your thing, man. So Thank you. That's proper. Like, that's proper stuff, man. I really rate it. So Thank you so much. Hats off, man. Uh, but you see, it's one of those things that's like so left field mm-hmm. in the sense where it's like you've grown up here. Mm. And then you're doing work <laughs> back home. Yeah. You can look here and you can see like people doing stuff here in the UK and yeah. you can praise it and be like, okay, that's sick. They're doing their thing. But it's a bit more like, okay, you see how it can be done. Yeah. You're so hard working at Then doing something back home, back home in Africa is in Ghana. It's, it's a, it's completely different. Don't for me, my trigger me. <laughs> for me, it's one of those ones. It's like, wow, like that's so different. Yeah. It's so left field. And, how how <laughs> do you even like where do you begin <laughs> with something like that yeah so the like her project literally that's that's my baby so basically towards the end of medical school and post was it post no it was actually like in the pandemic so yeah t- i guess towards the end of medical school and things were really taking off for melanin medics especially after obviously pandemic and uh, black lives matter people's were really starting to open their eyes to okay yeah racism is a real thing although it's been there for several years now all of a sudden everybody's like oh my gosh and health inequalities and black patients are more likely to die of different things so melanin medics like exponential growth and we expanded the team we're now like i guess 20 to 30 of us um and we're doing really well but deep down and again this goes back to my mom yes we were born and raised here but she made sure that okay growing up there's no english in the household so we all speak tree <laughs> fluently <laughs> she's like yeah you learn english in school but it got to the extent where i go to school now and i'm speaking tree for the teacher <laughs> they're like they phoned my mom literally during the day to be like she's saying something but we don't really understand (laughs) (laughs) um so literally summer holidays every two years we're back home in ghana and i really commend her for like instilling that sense of home within us and so after the whole growth of melanin medics i knew that key i'm happy doing so much for young people in the uk but I want to do the same, if not more, for young people, especially my young girls back in Ghana. So I finished my final year exams. Usually in your final year medical school, you get given the chance to go anywhere in the world, practice or experience medicine, what healthcare is like in a different country. I automatically knew, okay, I'm going back to Ghana because I had quite a long break of not going because of uni. 
And so I did that whole work healthcare placement. And there was this young girl that was following me on Instagram and she must have reached out uh, with a lovely message. Um, And then I did a little bit of a stalk on her and realized Mm. that she's actually doing amazing. Like she's, she does a lot of volunteering in different schools and she would definitely be somebody that would be a good contact to keep in relation to setting something up for me. So I messaged her to be like, okay, find me a school, get me about 100 girls in a room, let's do something. These times I had no clue what I was going to (laughs) do. Even up until probably like a week before, it was just so out on a whim. I refused to sit down and just have all these worries come to mind and eventually put me off. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done anything. And this is why I always, and I'm always a strong advocate for just starting Anything that you have on your heart, anything that you want to do, just go for it. So eventually we sat down. I thought, okay, well, what are the key areas that I'm particularly passionate about? Definitely health, definitely education, and finally empowerment. So that formed the key parts of the workshop that we delivered to the students. But I thought, okay, yes, we want to deliver a workshop, get the girls involved in conversation, opening and creating dialogue about what are the real issues that are affecting you pursuing an education here in Ghana? How can we work to overcome them? But I don't want to leave you guys empty-handed. I want to help give you some tools to help, you know, reduce that barrier. So that comes in the form of sanitary pads, tackling period poverty, educational supplies, stationery, um, hygiene products, as well as this book that I designed. It's like a journal or a booklet, but encouraging the young girls to build their self-esteem confidence self-awareness and just in general you know not seeing themselves or not seeing the fact that they have a voice as a taboo because a lot of the time back home in those in our cultures we leave everything for the man to say not necessarily enabling the female to also have a voice also have an opinion so we definitely encourage the girls to be confident in that aspect as well but also self-worth and self-love you shouldn't have to rely on somebody else to tell you that you are beautiful you're amazing um you should know that yourself so that is the like her project so that first year self-funded i thought okay i'm giving this a go this is a pilot self-funded that then it was amazing we had great feedback So then we went back last July. Um, Obviously, if you want to go bigger and better, I need the support of my community. So I did a fundraiser. We raised about, I think, just over a thousand pounds, which we managed to support about 400 girls to schools. Usually we say 100 girls per school. One school decided, give her all the girls. So literally, like, the room was f- uh, probably about 200 to 300 girls. And obviously, the items that I've come with, max 150 girls. So a lot of the girls missed out on the donation items. And they'll be like, oh, miss, oh, doctor, we didn't get a bag. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm like, guys, I'll come back next time, don't worry. But literally, how, thank God, but how we've been able to curate the session is there's the the educational and the workshop side of things is the most important um and leaving the girls feeling empowered and you know one of the young girls wrote a letter after the session and handed it to us 
you know, she quickly wrote a letter and she, in the letter she said, thank you so much for making me feel as though I am capable of changing the world, capable of changing my community, um, myself, but also for the next generation. I can't wait to share. And we had some girls being like, oh, can I be like a volunteer? I want to be an ambassador to create a group, have more conversations, do more work. And I'm like, the, my job here is done. <laughs> mm. We just need more girls to also feel the same way. So, yeah. That's so sick, man. And I love hearing stories like that. I know <laughs> as you're talking, yeah, because uh, it's, you're, you started you started off here it was like you said it was a week before you didn't necessarily have a plan in yeah, place yeah. but then <laughs> you just went you just went mm-hmm. done it and then look where it's growing into yeah definitely and it reminds me I was watching an interview over the past couple of days actually this Drake interview mm-hmm. Rap Radar it's like two and a half hours long so it took, oh, me, wow. <laughs> it took me a few days to finish yeah. but I liked it and I listened I just liked listening to the interview um, more so for the cinematography because mm-hmm. I'm trying to get some ideas yeah. for fans and voices and that. but I was, the content was good as well and he spoke about uh, I don't know if you know the song Stay Scheming but he spoke about this song mm-hmm. yeah, where he was at Rick Ross's house and how did he, go? he was at Rick Ross's house Rick Ross showed him a track he was like oh I like that song quickly wrote a verse they went that same day recorded the video and that's one of the biggest songs like that mm. these guys have got out massive hit yeah. and it was on a whim on the day on a whim <laughs> he was like oh wow what's that okay let me record a verse and he even reminds me of another um, story I heard with Krebs yeah. and Conan how they I might be getting this one a bit wrong because it's a bit mm-hmm. old but they, I think they were in New York and then someone, Rick Ross or someone called them. They went and recorded the video on the day, massive hit, mm-hmm. massive hit in their career. Again, on a whim. Yeah. And then hearing your story, and it's really got me thinking, like, sometimes some of the most amazing things come. You, opportunity. Yeah. You don't wait. At all. Don't wait. <laughs> you grab it with both hands when it's yeah. there, man, because you 100%. do not know, man. Don't. And I think a lot of people, myself, I'm the prime culprit work you want things to be perfect you yeah plan 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 plan, plan 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 before you actually step out but sometimes man the opportunity is gonna go it's so <laughs> true i think i mean the bottom line is just do but you can think and plan later and coming back from our july trip um that's when we went into planning mode so i really sat down and thought okay well this has like our two rounds have gone so well and lots of people were keen to support, still want to show support. But we also have to think, well, I guess I have to think the bigger picture here. And for me, the bigger picture is like her, the Like Her project will become one particular project that we deliver from the overall charity. And also we have to think sustainability. So following on from that July trip, the past five, six months has definitely been a lot of planning, a lot of behind the scenes work. We are almost um, ready to showcase slash, I guess, our rebrand sometime next month. And essentially we'll be presenting the overall charity. We will definitely be doing more like her project activities um, uh, March. So I'm coming back to the motherland very soon. Uh, we'll be launching our fundraising again. And we also have um, some exciting plans for the rest of the year. That's sick, man. Mm-hmm. The team you've got for the Like Her Project, mm-hmm. how did, is that all organic as well? Yes. So we have um, a team of, well, one of them's come over to the UK now, but three core members. And then also we have a separate side team because we have a massive project coming soon in october this year um we are organizing i want to say the first largest girls conference 
um, on the continent. And that's going to be held on International Day of the Girl Child, which is 11th of October. So we have a conference team of about six um, amazing individuals. So I guess the team, we can probably combine and say it's about 10 um, on ground in Ghana and um, a few team members here as well. That's, That's so sick, man. How is you embarking on this journey with Medlin Medics, with the Like Her Project, with you just doing the speaking, everything mm-hmm. that you're doing? How has it affected the people around you, particularly your family? Yeah. Um, do you know what? I wouldn't say it's really affected them much. I think this, and this is what I'm such a strong, like, believer of. Or how should I put it? Like, it, it low-key annoys me when individuals <laughs> tell me, they are busy and so therefore can't make time for i guess friends or family because obviously everybody's not the same but then i just think to myself and realize okay well friends and family is something that i don't really compromise at all i somehow god only knows how i'm still able to maintain my friendships maintain my family um relationships and still be present for the people that i love so um i definitely think it is possible it is doable you just have to work your way around it i guess for sure have you ever gone through any kind of a situation Mm -hmm. where you felt like this was a make or break situation in relation to whether it's on a project you worked mm. on, whether it's just personally, and you just felt like it's, this is long, this is difficult. I wouldn't boil that down to a particular moment. It's definitely in relation to the Ghana project. As you mentioned, like doing anything back home. <laughs> <laughs> the struggle. Um, so we've, we're now officially registered both here in the UK and in Ghana, both processes were long, were headache. Um, but then when you're also having to deal with how systems work back home, here you can send an email, expect a reply, one or two days. Back home, there's still, the whole email thing is, they're not really up to speed. And everything's usually like, you might have to write a letter and send it to somebody. Or you might actually have to go and knock on the person's door in order for them to actually listen and respond as if you're lucky and then if you want things to be done and then they sense a little bit of oh somebody from abroad even though my team members try to minimize that oh why don't you give us something small you know (laughs) i'm just like oh my gosh (laughs) it is headache so i guess over the that past i want to say three months it has lingered in my mind like what is the point why i'm just giving myself myself headache for no reason but i always think back to what we are doing um how it's impacting the girls what the girls have said about it and it just ends up being no-brainer why why do i need to give up yeah 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 Uh, people back home think money grows on trees over here (laughs) honestly (laughs) god that proper man uh, but yeah, I guess it boils, and it boils down to all of the experiences you've gone mm-hmm. through as well. With you, first of all, with the Michelle Obama and her being so pivotal yeah. and talking about, well, the failure, but you can parallel and talk about, you know, just really like pushing forward and yeah. not necessarily giving up. And then you've got your mum in that hard work aspect. And then I guess with all of that influence that you've had inside of you, you get to situations like this. And I guess you've built up enough sort of, what would you even call it, like 
capital, mm-hmm. your mental capital, mm-hmm. whatever, that when you're faced with this, where some people are going to turn around and be like, oh, you know yeah. what, forget it, like, I'm done. Yeah. You've been able to, or you're still able to mm-hmm. sort of power through. And you've got a, an amazing team around you as well. A hundred percent. I think, I love how you mentioned that I've built that mental capacity um, because I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. Because sometimes when I'm speaking to peers or whatnot, and you might just, in the moment, you feel like saying, or you say, or like, what's the point? Or you feel like giving up, or you feel really stressed. Um, or what I tend to say is, this is giving me a headache. Um, and, you know, as much as people say, you have to be careful what you say and whatnot, which I 100% agree. But I think for me, I'm at the stage of, Sometimes I'll just say these expressions, but really and truly that mental capacity, that mental block that, you know, has kept me, I guess, grounded and strong is always there. It's a wall that can't be broken down. Thank God. Um, But sometimes momentarily in those moments, you will have those feelings, which I think is completely normal. What advice would you give to somebody who's trying to drive change in their field industry Mm -hmm. in their life? Oh, what advice? I would say definitely in as much as sit down and think, I also would emphasize the need to, as we were saying, just go ahead and do. I think the longer you spend sitting down, planning, trying to make things perfect, the longer you will dig yourself in a hole of not actually doing anything. And then you think, okay, well, I don't have X, Y, Z to make an impact. Therefore, I shouldn't do anything at all. There's a saying that we say in Melanin Medics, and it's start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. For us at that time, five years ago, we had, what, just five of us. We didn't have no source of funding. But what we did one of the things that we did was literally well we can provide free help to students that want to study medicine we can literally just go into schools and show up that's the you know the most that's the littlest you can do that can have a major impact if you go into schools and we started as young as in year twos if you go into schools and young students especially young black students are seeing okay wow you're a doctor but you also kind of look like me then that's it that's my job done and I remember one girl in year two yes she's very young and we asked the students what do you want to be when you grow up she said I want to be like you and I think that's one of the key moments I always I always keep to my heart because that's what representation is about she's a young girl she's seen that doctors at the time I was a medical student but doctors have come into the room played around with different clinical you know equipment and they've had a little bit of fun she realized that oh wow this woman like you know we kind of look like each other maybe I want to be a doctor too and that's it that's it man that's what it's about isn't it yeah 100% that's it nice and as we're preparing to wrap up Mm -hmm. what's next for you in your journey Ooh, what is next? Well, I'm still working full time as a doctor. Well, for the next, I guess for the first half of this year, at least, uh, Melanie Medics, we are still going strong. Um, and we have quite a few, I guess, events coming up. Our programs are ongoing. If anybody listening knows somebody that is interested in studying medicine or knows a medical student, definitely check out our website, www.melanomedics.com. In regards to all things Ghana related, stay tuned on my social media platforms for us sharing um, and I guess 
revealing ourselves and finding out ways that you can get involved um, for our next trips if anybody wants to volunteer with us. And what else? Speaking, I'm always speaking. Um, I have a few trips um, planned in the line. Speaking, I guess, over the world. Um, And yeah, that's that for now, I think. (laughs) Just just one or two things. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. That's it, man. Nice. That's the 1000 Voices podcast. Thank you for coming on to the podcast Thank once you for again, Loved having you on. So happy. So happy. <laughs> you coming actually, because <laughs> this was this was so sick, man. Very, very inspiring. Now I know I know you say you don't like bringing up your mum too much, but <laughs> I know like Auntie is very, very proud, man. Your siblings as well, even if they don't maybe they don't say it, I don't know. But they they must be, man. Everybody around you, man. Seeing all the work you're doing, with the amazing things you're doing, and the change that you're driving, man. So thank you, thank you for coming on and sharing and no everything ice. with us. No ice. Uh, where can people keep up to? I know you mentioned your socials. What are your socials if people want to keep up to date? Yes. And um, if you've got any final words, um, you can share them now. So how you can keep up with me? Um, if you want to find out a bit more about myself and what I do, you can check out my website www.kadijaawusu.com um for more i guess somewhat day-to-day my instagram is at kadijaawusu i'm also very active on linkedin uh which i would say is my main social media platform um and it's just dr Khadija Awusu on linkedin cool all right that's that thank you for coming to the podcast once again this is 1000 voices we had the amazing dr Khadija Awusu on the podcast and for now people we're out <laughs> Cool, all good. Wee! <laughs>